0: Coming up on today's podcast, we got to interrogate Ben Kaspic of Locked On Giants because we got to know, did the Giants have a successful offseason after all those whiffs? And we need to know, we got to get his stance. Are the Giants going to be better than the D-backs this season? Discussing that and so much more on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast.
1: You are Locked On Diamondbacks.
0: Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreativeThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, please, uh, and of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast with Matt and Dom because they are breaking down fancy baseball for you all season. So go check out their podcast. Please subscribe to the uh, Locked On Diamondbacks on YouTube because we're trying to hit 400 subscribers. So please hit... Subscribe for the Lockdown Diamondbacks YouTube channel, and if you go check out the Lockdown Dimebacks Twitter page right now, we are doing a giveaway. We partnered with Foco, giving away a Kettle Marte City Connect bobblehead. So go check out Lockdown Diamondbacks on Twitter so you can enter for a chance to win. But without further ado, here to talk about the off season, here to talk about the regular season, new rules. Which of our teams are going to be better and talk a little-ish? We got Ben Kaspic, so let's bring him on the pod.
1: Let's take away my lower third. Ben, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great. I mean, spring training is finally here. It was an eventful offseason for the Giants. A lot of, you know, lots to talk about, but not necessarily lots coming, coming, you know, near or completing a deal. You know, a lot of close calls. Uh-huh. But anyway, I'm happy to get the games going and the season around the corner. A lot of close calls for the Giants this offseason,
0: which we're going to talk about, Ben. But since you brought you know brought up spring training, you know I live out here in Arizona, basically the home of spring training. The Giants have their
1: stadium out here. Uh, how come you're not pulling up to hang out with me, Ben? Hmm. I've I've been thinking about it honestly. So uh-huh. Maybe I been will hit you it. up uh-huh. and go down there. I mean, the WBCs hmm. there, you know, they got some games at at yeah. the Diamondbacks Jeez. Park. The Team USA going to play some games there. So I've been thinking about it, but. Yeah, it's always a good time up over there. Hope the listeners heard that. Very non committal. I'm Ben Kaspic trying to hang out (laughs) with me
0: in Arizona. (laughs) Very (laughs) non committal. Oh, Ben. And you know, well, speaking of being non committal, let's talk about the Giants offseason, Ben, because we've had a whole bunch of free agents. We've already discussed. Uh, on a previous podcast during the offseason about the Correa and Aaron Judge. But I just, I know every podcast host asks you about your offseason and those deals. And we're going to do the same thing here on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast because I just want you to really just relive those feelings and emotions that you felt when you're like, man, Aaron Judge is coming home. We're going to give him a big deal. Okay, that's not happening. Man, Carlos Correa, we're going to give him the bag. We might have missed out on Judge, but at least Correa is coming. Ah, wait, knee issues. Ben, after an offseason that was so eventful and with the ups and downs, how are you feeling after the Giants offseason?
1: I don't know how to feel. I feel like I've been whipped around like I was in the ocean and a wave was tumbling me up, down, side. I don't know which way's up at this point, but I got through it. I came out the other side, I dried off and I kind of got reacclimated to being on land. That's kind of how I feel. But at the time it was it was emotionally tough uh the Aaron judge kind of John Heyman false alarm tweet that was about seven minutes of thinking the Giants had judge which was was I mean imagine imagine thinking your team just signed the guy who just hit 62 home runs and was the best player in the game is just a huge superstar and then to have it not happen and then it's like oh okay they got Carlos Correa which is not a bad fallback option and a 350 million dollar deal 13 years he's going to be here it's the star they need and then for seven days we had to live you know we got to live through that thinking that they were going to get him and then to have it fall apart it was it was really emotionally tough and it wasn't just for me it was for like a lot of fans and so that's hard to recover from when you don't end up with those guys but they did do a lot of moves. It's not like they were otherwise inactive. They signed a lot of veteran players who are solid players. Uh, so I feel okay about the team going into the year, but it you know, definitely a let down overall for this offseason.
0: Yeah, I think the last time we talked, that sign behind you had something to do with Carlos Correa, but now it just says locked on Giants, which is a pretty cool sign. I might need to get one of those for my podcast. But cool. when you look at that, Judge almost signing like that's kind of the issue we have with reporters nowadays. Uh, They they want to be the first one to break the story instead of getting the story. Right. We see that with sports reporters in the NBA, NFL, uh, baseball, like a lot of these reporters just want to be the first one to have the story about. But how about getting the story accurate? That's very important. But when you look at the Aaron Judge almost signing to the Giants and the Carlos Correa almost signing to the Giants, which one do you think hurts more to you as a fan that they didn't sign? And just the team, which one do you think would have been a better long-term fit? Because of course I guess Aaron Judge is the better player. He's coming off that monster historic season, but maybe a guy like Carlos Correa would have been a better fit for the franchise with the way he does defensively, with how he, you know your infield is not exactly deep right now in terms of talent. So as
1: a fan and as an organization, which whiff do you think hurts the giants more in long-term well they definitely both hurt and so uh it's kind of hard to say but i do think it's actually correa because okay. i mean part of it is that they actually had an agreement with him and so okay. that okay. makes it yeah. sting a little bit more but also if you think about the the future of the shortstop position for the giants they've had crawford forever and he's going to be 36 this year and it's the <laughs> last year of his contract and so if you project out to 2024 You're looking at, are we going to re-sign Brandon Crawford and bring him back for his age 37 season? Uh, And you look at in their minor league system, there's not necessarily a guy who's like figures to be right on the doorstep. You could look at a Marco Luciano, who has at times been considered like a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's kind of dealt with some injuries. He currently has like a stress fracture in his back and he's kind of stalled out, uh, just barely reaching... Did he even make it to double? I don't think he even made it to double A. And so, yeah, so so I think it's Carlos Correa because if you look at next year's free agent class, there, two years in a row we had elite free agent shortstops with Corey Seager, Carlos Correa twice, and Trey Turner, and uh, on and on. There were a lot of star shortstops out there, and the Giants didn't come away with one of them. They thought they did with Correa. But because of that, their future at that position is totally... Unclear. Whereas in the outfield, I think it's maybe a little bit easier to figure how they're gonna fill that spot moving forward. And also Korea is younger. He's gonna be 28 this year. Uh, and Aaron Judge is gonna be 31. So three years younger, you get three additional prime years out of Korea. So that that one they both sting, but that one I think he fit the team in the present and the long term, maybe a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I have to double check that real quick because I was like, is Korea? younger than Aaron Judge but he actually came in 2015 Carlos Correa Aaron Judge came in 2016 it feels like Correa has been in the league a lot longer than Aaron Judge but that's not actually true but Judge did come into the league he was like what like a 25 26 year old rookie that we don't really see that a lot in baseball and I just think as a D-backs fan as a guy who has to go against all these West teams I think I would have just been more scared if you got Aaron Judge than a Carlos Correa because. That career contract would have been so long, and yes, he's younger than Aaron Judge, but I think Aaron Judge would have been better as a DH long-term as opposed to a Carlos Correa because of that offensive upside that Aaron Judge has. like I feel like if you just make him your full-time DH, that's just like the perfect role for him. He could still go out there, still smash you 50 home runs, still be a huge impact piece. I feel like Carlos Correa a lot of his value. He's still a great offensive player, but a lot of his value also comes from defense. So if he ever had to, like, eventually transition to just third base or DH, his value, I think, diminishes more than a Aaron Judge's. Plus, Aaron Judge just would have been the closest thing that we've seen in San francisco Since, like, Barry Bonds, there's a dude that could go out there, and every time he's at the plate, it just must see TV. It's Hollywood. Fireworks can happen. So, I think as a D-back fan, I would have had a little bit more fear in my heart if it was Aaron Judge strutting up to the place as opposed to mm-hmm. Carlos Correa. But seeing neither one of them up to the plate for the Giants this season makes me very happy <laughs> about that, Ben. But I want to ask you, how do you think the Giants cleaned up with some of their other offseason signings? But before we get there, Ben, I first want to tell you about the best, the best betting sponsor that's in America right now. America's number one sports book. Have you heard about this? I sure have. Yeah, FanDuel. Oh my God, look at this man. He's on it with the trivia today because. America, listeners, listen up. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay that is my favorite thing to do because guess what when the Lakers were healthy and when they were rolling my favorite same game parlay to do LeBron, 25 points. LeBron, 5 rebounds. LeBron, 5 assists with AD going for 25 and 10. That felt like instant money in my wallet every night. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Back here with Ben Caspic of Lock On Giants, and yes, you might have missed on the Carlos Correa's and the Aaron Judge's of the world, but don't worry, you're still able to bring in some superstar talent with Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, Ross Stripling. Whoop, whoop, whoop. How do you feel like the Giants rebounded after thinking you were going to get some major players, and still? Listen, those guys aren't bad. Those guys are good major leaguers, but they're not the same level as the Correas and Aaron Judges, MVP-level players. So how do you think the Giants salvaged
1: their offseason after some of those big whists? I guess you could say they did about as good as they could if they were not going to land any elite talent that was out there. And I think that specifically with a guy like Conforto, I mean, when he was at his best with the Mets, he was he was one of the best players in the National League. And I've made this point a bunch. I think if he had reached free agency after the 2020 season, just a couple years ago, he would have easily been in line for a deal in excess of $100 million. And it's not like he's old either. He just turned 30 years old today. And it's, it's a, it's a short commitment, you know, so if, you know, he's coming off a shoulder surgery, and if he were to have problems, underperformance, or, you know, more injuries, then it's something that doesn't, They're not going to be stuck with long term. But he's, if you just look at some of the seasons he had with the Mets, that's the kind of upside that he brings. And likewise with Michael Conforto, uh, excuse me, with Mitch Hanniger, he's a guy who hit uh, 39 home runs in 2021. And I I don't even think that was his best overall offensive season. Uh, You know, originally, or not originally, but, you know, traded from the D backs to the Mariners. And so D backs Mm -hmm. fans probably familiar with Hanager Uh, they're they're solid players and then in the rotation they added two guys as well with uh, Ross Stripling who had a really nice year last year with the Blue Jays Sean Mania who had a really not nice year last year with the Padres but otherwise in Oakland was pretty much the ace of that staff on some good A's teams and then in the bullpen they bring in a couple guys as well with Taylor Rogers who's historically been a good Uh, reliever although not coming off a very good year and then luke jackson who was a really good reliever on that uh braves 2021 championship team uh he is recovering from tommy john but going to debut a couple months probably into the season so they went with kind of i don't like to say quantity over quality because they are quality but i mean quantity over impact quality okay if that makes any sense like superstar i guess yeah uh, but at the same time like i think the timing of the correa deal falling apart was really poor because in between when they thought they had signed him and when the physical was failed, the two best remaining players were still out there in Dansby Swanson and Carlos Rodon. And I, I just wonder if they knew that the Correa thing was going to fall apart, if maybe they pivot to like a Dansby Swanson as a fallback option uh, in that case. And so I really thought they like kind of had to come away with a star and they clearly were trying to do it. And they, they agreed to terms with Korea. You just never see these things fall apart. So uh, it, it's hard for me to say, but ultimately, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll compete and they'll be in the race. But it is it is really disappointing that they didn't come away with that impact guy. It really felt like now was the time for that. And
0: why, And why do you think they didn't? At least pivot to a Rodon, or maybe just bring him back initially at the start of the offseason. Because last year, the Giants kind of went through this as well when they had Kevin Gosman, and then Len Walk to the Blue Jays. But they were able to pick up Rodon on like a one year high upside flyer. And he performed spectacularly for you guys to the point where he looked like a legit Cy Young candidate this year. Now he goes to the New York Yankees. And I'm like, the Yankees are a legit World Series contender now with Rodon as their number two, Nestor Cortez as your number three. Like, I love that top three starting rotation for the Yankees. I'm just like, why didn't the Giants just run it back with Rodon like he's still young? Like, I know you personally usually have concerns when you give pitchers long-term contracts. Like, do you think the Giants have the same issues? Because I think a Logan Webb, Carlos Rodon, one-two punch would have just been at least a really nasty combo and a legit frontline playoff rotation where you got that as your foundation piece for your whole roster. And, yeah, maybe your lineup's not that strong. Maybe you still got to work on your bullpen. But you at least can point to your – rotation say with those two guys at the helm at the front of my rotation at least now I have a quality playoff rotation with those two guys in big games
1: well, imagine if it was logan webb carlos Herdan, and kevin gosman back oh, you know, now we probably right? superstar so they, rotation right. And then they I think they've got some quality, you know, they right now they've got a lot of guys. I mean, they've got like seven legit major major league starters. And so if you've got a Webb, Rodon Gosman, and then just like three or four of those guys instead. but I really do think it comes down to they just if I don't think they want to give a long term commitment to a starting pitcher. Uh, And we've I feel like we've talked about this a couple years in a row uh, where we're looking back. We always talk about Madison Bumgarner and how that deal has not gone well uh, for Arizona. Um, Bring it up. I know. Right. You don't want to bring it up. But it's the reality of the situation. And I look at Patrick Corbin, uh, another former D back. Right. Was great with the great, great kind of final year there. Final couple years, I think. And then goes to Washington, has a great first year. But then it's been a complete and utter disaster. Let's not mince words about it. It has been a disaster (laughs) for him. He's like the worst pitcher in the league, basically, now. I'm going to look up his numbers right now. Yeah, please. And, (laughs) you know, he got a huge contract. To me, he kind of reminds me of Rodan in a way. Like, not that the stuff is necessarily similar, but just kind of a couple really good years right as he was reaching free agency and then parlays that into a huge contract. And then has a good first year but then falls apart. And then look at Steven Strasburg. How about that guy? I mean, they gave him oh. this enormous contract and he basically has not pitched at all. The whole time 2020, 2021, 2022, he's not going to pitch. He's dealing with more stuff in 2023. And they gave and him he's like still to come back. But it, it, this is like year 4 where he's almost not going to pitch at all. And when he's pitched, he hasn't pitched well. And it they gave him a huge contract. And so anyway, look, I'm not saying it it always doesn't work out. There are certainly examples we could point to where deals like this do work out, but a lot of the time they don't. I mean, even in-house with the Giants, Barry Zito, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, there's just so many examples of pitchers just, they just turn really fast from good to bad. And I think that they are risk averse and they've had a lot of success they originally signed Kevin Gossman for one year, $9 million, and they got ace production out of him. They bring him back on the qualifying offer the next year, ace production out of him. One-year deal for Rodon, two years with an opt-out, ace production. So I think they, they've they they've got a pretty good track record of of having success without having to take on the long-term risk. And so be that as it may, I think they're just going to continue to do that rather than make that huge commitment. Not and popular, I- but... That's what they do. And I would like to see someone
0: do like an experiment on like what the red flags are for when you want to sign a pitcher to a long-term deal. What are the red flags you should look for to not sign him? Because obviously a guy like Madbum had a whole bunch of red flags even before the D-backs signed him. But I don't know. Strasburg, I mean, he definitely was a little injury prone even before the big contract, but he was still like, A freaking stud at the time of him signing it so it's like i don't know the barry zitos uh and the or like the matt canes of the world was like fantastic at the time if he signed his deal and then he got a whole bunch of injuries he was done by the time he was 30 so i'm like what are the red flags teams should look for before signing these big contracts i think that would be
1: like a pretty fun experiment someone should do because i honestly don't even know and the teams probably have it that would be kind of my guess and I mean, honestly, I from what I've un, from what I understand, a lot of a lot of the time it's just innings, and mm. when your arm just has so many innings on it, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb in your elbow, and it's just at some point the wear and tear of throwing that many pitches and innings is just gonna catch up to you. But yeah, but then it's like there are the certain Verlander, guys like yeah. Verlander... Scherzer, certain guys it just doesn't happen for. So it, it is a good question. Very good but Yeah, plan.
0: that's why I'm like, if you gave Verlander like a 10-year deal when he was like 30 years old, you would have <laughs> thought it was a stupid deal. But it's like this guy at 40 still is winning Cy Young and stuff. He could have done the same thing with Max Scherzer. So it's like so random how some of these pitchers can like sustain, even be injured because we saw Verlander undergo Tommy John just like two years ago. Then he came back and still was the best <laughs> pitcher in the game. So it's like even sometimes with these guys are ticking time bombs it doesn't matter maybe they got to take a year off but then they come back and still are great but then you look at someone like chris sale who was a beast at the time of he of, of his signing and he's been another stephen strasberg type who has it's been tough for him to stay on the mound since he signed that contract so it's very curious to see the volatile nature of these pitchers when it comes to long-term contracts because of course position players are volatile too when it comes to long-term contracts so i feel like it's more in the back half of the deal these pitching contracts they could just turn bad like immediately after one year like some of these guys turn 30 31 it's like whoa they're they're a whole different pitcher than what they were when they were younger but i guess it's i guess you have to do it case by case and like you said look at like the the mileage on the arm because a guy like mad bum he broke into the league at 19 multiple 200 inning seasons before he turned 30 like maybe that's someone where it's like all right maybe we shouldn't go too long with him but honestly his contract is not like insane like five years 85 for a guy who was multi-time world series winner like it's not like insane contract but they backloaded the deal which
1: makes it more hurtful so he's making like yeah $20 this year and even so even though it's a modest deal it's still been the performance Terrible. has been so <laughs> yeah. bad that it's not even close to worth it right it's he hasn't been worth really a major league contract probably uh, I'm bragging actually- on the guy but it's been rough right i mean it's been very very uh-huh. rough it's been rough. And actually, looking at Patrick Corbin, I'm like, should I do an experiment on
0: who's been the worst pitcher the last two years, Mad Bum or Corbin? Because we know when you go on baseball reference and you see a whole bunch of bold, it's usually a good thing. That means you led the league in something. You're like, oh, I see a whole bunch of bold. This means this guy's a stud player. But for Patrick Corbin, he's got a bunch of bold for different reasons. Because the last two years, he's led the NL in earned runs. In 2021, also led the NL in home runs allowed. And the last two years, he led the league in losses. Now, losses, he's on the worst team in arguably baseball. So I won't put the losses on him. But the earned runs and the home runs allowed, Uh, you can't lead the league in those and still be good. So I'll definitely put the blame on, on him for that. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks News coverage insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Fantasy Baseball podcast, because those guys will keep you up to date all season long with all the fantasy news and updates that you need. Go check them out wherever you listen to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two with Ben Kaspic of Locked on Giants, where we discuss some more really weird Giants offseason. And we discuss Evan Longoria to the D-backs and so much more. So come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.